Good morning, Grace Church. It's awesome to see you today. Thanks for spending some of your weekend with us. And we have been in an incredible series called The Art of Neighboring. And it's been a wonderful look into how God has called us to be neighbors to those around us. And so this series has been based on Mark chapter 12, verses 30 to 31, where it says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Well, let's pray this morning as we look at God's word. Lord, we just love you, and we praise you, and we worship you, and we honor you with this time. We thank you for being our God and our Father, and thank you for your word that you give us to teach us and to guide us in all the things that you have for us in our life. God, open our hearts today to receive and to be taught directly by you in your word today. Father, we just thank you for this time that we have together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, no other commandment is greater than these. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So apparently to God, being a good neighbor is actually a really good thing. And so we are going to look at that today. Uh, and when you look at the word neighbor in this passage, we immediately think those who live right next to us, right? We've kind of put it in our context, in our world, and we go, oh, yeah, our neighbors. Those are the people that live right around us. Or if we're in an apartment, those are the people that live next door to us on our floor, right? Or in our condo, th those are the people that live, you know, right next to us. So we think of that in, in regards to this passage. We look at it through our world, right? But the neighbor in this passage is actually referring to anyone that you come in contact with. Anybody that you are in contact with throughout your day, in your life, that is actually your neighbor. So we need to expand our horizons just a little bit with this passage and look a little bit farther than just the people that live around us. But it is a great place to start with your actual neighbors. That's a great place to start. And so we, any way we can love our neighbors, those right next door to us, but I want us to kind of open our eyes to see it's a little bit broader than that. It is everyone that we actually are in contact with. And so I know what it's like to have good neighbors, and I'm sure that you do too. And I think we all would agree that it's really great when you have really good neighbors. We've had the, the fortunate time to have really good neighbors. We, when we lived in our other community, we moved about two years ago. Uh, the community we lived in before that, we had incredible neighbors. We got to know them. They got to know us. We knew their names. We knew about their life. We knew what was going on. And we just did life together, and we looked out for each other. Our kids played together. They went over to each other's houses. And so it was wonderful. It's so great to have really good neighbors. And it's awesome, too, because there were times where I would just forget to buy something at the store, and I would be making dinner, right? And I would be like, oh, man, I need an egg. I'm out of eggs. And so my boys were just trained. They knew the drill. I'd be like, hey, come here. You know, go check with the neighbors. Go see if you can find me an egg. And they would go through the neighborhood and knock on all our neighbors' doors, and they'd come back with an egg. Or 
I would be like, go get a cup of sugar. And they would run through the neighborhood and they'd be like, mom, really? <laughs> Again? Um, but those are, it's great to have good neighbors, right? So you can get help when you need it, when you run out of your ingredients for cooking, right? Um, but then two years ago, we moved into a new community. And so we, we really, really didn't want to leave our other community just because it's just so priceless to have good neighbors. And we were just praying and hoping we'd have good neighbors in our new community. And so we've been fortunate to get to know some of them around us. And, and they're great people. And we've had a great time getting to know them. And I know Pastor Aaron has shared a little bit about our across-the-street neighbor. And um, he is just so awesome. Pastor Aaron shared how he makes things out of wood. And he actually goes and sells them. And they're just really cool things. And so... He, one Christmas, he made me this wooden Christmas tree, and it's out of these wood slats, and then he paints them, and so I put that out every year. I just love it, and then when our son graduated, he made him this, this big shark out of these wood slats, and he painted them and stuff, and our son has it hanging in his room. Just super cool. So, I mean, it's even more amazing when your neighbor, like, brings you gifts, right? I mean, that's so cool. I mean, that's a good neighbor right there. <laughs> so we hit the jackpot, okay? God was looking out for us. Um, but then one time, so in our back, on our back porch, we have this roof that comes out over our porch, and we do have a pool. And so it's not too far from the roof to the pool. So, of course, um, my crazy boys and husband use that as a high jump into the pool, and so, <laughs> yeah, so our neighbors on the other side of us, one time they were up getting ready to jump into the pool, and we could hear those neighbors. They were out too, and they have a pool. And so from their backyard, they could see up onto that little roof area, and so they saw them up there, and they just knew exactly what they were doing. And so the, the woman next door, she yells out, best neighbors ever, and we were just like, yeah, <laughs> so I mean, it's awesome to have some good neighbors, but we've already won the award for best neighbors ever, so just, you know, don't even try, we've got it, so, <laughs> and it's for jumping off the back roof, so, <laughs> yeah, we, we're a little crazy in our house, so, but it's so great to have good neighbors, and so God actually has shown us that this is so important to him. It's so important to him that we love our neighbors, that we are good neighbors to those around us. And again, thinking of that word neighbors, that, that entails everyone that we're in contact with. And so today we're going to look at some, some things we need to do in order to truly love our neighbor as ourself. And so the first thing that we need to do is accept God's love. And this seems really, really simple, doesn't it? What? Accept God's love? I did that a long time ago. You know, I'm good. I accepted God's love. Well, I want to let you know that if you don't accept God's love for yourself, truly accept it, you will not be able to give it to others. There's no way to give something that you haven't accepted. And so I think a lot of us, we know that God loves us. Like, we know that. We've learned it. We read it in Scripture. We all know that, right? But it's a little bit different when it comes to our heart and actually taking that love in and truly accepting it. That's another step. And some of us know God loves us, but we haven't accepted his love. And I think some of us have gotten to that place in our life 
that we haven't accepted it because we don't feel we're good enough for it. And so some of you may be in a place where you're saying, listen, my sin is too great. I, 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 can't, I can't take that love because I, my sin is just too big. Maybe for you, you've struggled with drugs on and on and off, and you just don't feel like God can accept you with that. And maybe you're struggling with some other type of addiction, maybe alcoholism, maybe pornography, and you just feel lost in that sin, and it has engulfed you, and you don't think that God can love you. Or maybe, maybe for you, maybe you've had an abortion at some point in your life, and you just feel that sin is too great that God just cannot love you. Maybe you've committed adultery and you just feel like God has turned his back on you and there's just no way he'll love you and you just feel so unworthy. And so this is exactly where the enemy wants us to be because if we don't fully accept God's love, we cannot live into who God has made us to be. We cannot live how he wants us to, to love others around us And so I want to remind you today, again, most of us, we know this, but I want to remind you today that no matter what you've done, God loves you. In fact, it tells us in Scripture in Romans 5, 8, that he loved us while we were still sinners. Before you even accepted him in your life and chose to follow him, he loved you in the midst of all of your sin. He loved you. His love is perfect. It doesn't change. It doesn't change based on what you're doing. And so when we accept God's love and we understand our value in him, then we can finally live in our purpose and our identity, which is to love our neighbors. So we have to accept this love because you cannot give something that you haven't received for yourself. I can really, really want to give someone $100, but if I don't have $100 in my bank account or in my wallet or in my checking account or my Venmo, whatever you use, if I don't have $100 there, I cannot give them $100. I don't have it to give because I haven't received it. And that is the way it is with God's love. If we don't receive it for ourselves, we cannot give it away. And so I want to again remind you that God loved you so much that he gave his very son's life for you. And so you are valuable. There's no price greater ever paid for you than God's son. And that has determined that you are are valuable. You are worth it. There there is nothing more costly than someone laying the life of their son down for you. And that is what God has done. And so this love that he's given you is not just simply for you. It's for other people. And so we have to accept it to give it. And so once you have said, listen, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to choose him. I choose to follow him with my life. You become a son and a daughter of God, fully loved, fully accepted, and fully approved. The minute you say yes to him, you are fully loved, fully accepted, and fully approved. He calls you his very own. 
And so living in our identity as God's sons and daughters is loving ourselves. That is loving ourselves. When we live into that identity, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. And we live in that identity, that's loving ourselves. And then as we're loving ourselves, then we're able to give that love to other people. And so I love the passage. We all know this verse out of John 3.16, right? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so that's what God did for you. And that is also what God has done for everyone around us. We just have to receive it. We have to receive that love. So actually, I just want us to say it together today. I want you to repeat after me. God, I receive your love. All right, I think we can get a little more excited about it than that. Let's try one more time. God, I receive your love. Yes, now receive that and let that just come in to you and to your being. And then you share that with everyone around you. Because in that passage, it doesn't just say God so loved you or God so loved me. It said God so loved the world. And that's everyone. So now that love is for everyone. And it's our job to help them know that by loving our neighbors as ourself. The second thing that we need to do is to overcome fear. Overcome fear. Some of you would say that you would much rather travel across the country or even across the world to tell someone about Jesus rather than telling somebody that you do know, rather than telling your neighbor. Because some of you would say, listen, if I go across the country or I go across the world, I'm never going to see that person again, so I have nothing to lose. I'm not afraid of that. But the people in my life, those that are right around me, my neighbors, ooh, that I'm a little bit afraid about that. That causes me a little bit of fear. And so I get that. It seems overwhelming, and it seems that it would be easier for us, right, to, to tell somebody far away that we don't really know about Jesus and show them love than it is the people right around us. Because we, we start to tell ourselves, well, what are they going to think? You know, what if, I, what if I don't know what to say? What if I say the wrong things? What if, what if they get mad at me? And so we start to ask ourselves those questions, and we allow fear to hold us back from sharing love with them. And when we allow fear to hold us back from that, we're actually letting the enemy win. He wins because he gets that fear to silence us, to hold us back from truly loving and sharing about Jesus. And so I, I get it can be so hard. I was just talking with somebody the other day about um, caring about what other people think, because a lot of us, I would say, care way too much about what other people think about us. And I, I was there. I remember those days as a, as a young student, 
as someone in my early 20s and even in my 30s, I cared way too much about what other people think. So much so that it would actually dictate the decisions I made. It would determine what I would do. I would take that into consideration every time I was going to do something. Well, what are they going to think? What if, what if I don't do it right? What if I mess up? What if I say something wrong? And I would allow that to dictate my decisions. And so now that I'm older, older, <laughs> that's not a great word to, to think about. But anyways, I, I've actually come to a place in my life where I just, I'm like, it's going to be okay. And if they don't end up liking me, it's okay. It's fine. It's, it's not going to be a problem. Like, God just asked me to do this. God asked me to love someone. God asked me to step out and say this and to love them and to pray for them. And if they don't like me because of it, okay, no problem. You know, I've just come to this place in my life, and it was just interesting. I was just talking about this to somebody recently, and then I was thinking about this message and just how a lot of us allow that fear to hold us hostage from God using us. And we have got to remember that we have something that could change someone's life forever. We have something that could secure their eternity. And we cannot let fear hold us back from sharing that, from bringing that to them. And according to scripture, there is something that drives out fear immediately. And it's actually the perfect love of God. It tells us in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so the only one that has this perfect love is God. And so if we do what we say we needed to do in point one, which was accept God's perfect love, if we have that, then we have the one thing that drives out fear, God's perfect love. So if we're accepting that and we're living in that and we're, we're allowing God's perfect love, then that drives out fear. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome how that works? God's love is so perfect. And so when I think about, you know, overcoming fear and not letting us hold that back, the first thing I want to do is, is look at examples in Scripture, right? I want to see how did Jesus handle this? How did Jesus do this while he was on the earth? And I found this awesome passage in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 36 to 38 says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And so this is a very short passage of this story. Um, and after this happens, which it's one of the most beautiful acts of worship we see in Scripture, and this woman is remembered for all eternity because of it. 
But after this happens, uh, the Pharisee that is there with, with Jesus and then some of his disciples were there, they, they begin asking Jesus, why? Why, did, why are you letting this happen? Why, why did you allow her to do this? Because they literally could not believe that Jesus was letting someone like her touch him, let alone like anoint him with perfume and like wipe his feet and all this, this beautiful act of worship. They were, they were just appalled at the fact that Jesus is allowing this because they're stuck in their fear, right? They're thinking, man, what are people going to say when they find out this immoral woman is touching all over Jesus and that, that we were in the same room with her, that we were standing within eight feet of her? What are people going to say? What are they going to think? Oh, man, people are going to talk. Like, we're going to be ostracized in the community. This is what they're thinking. They're, they're, they're afraid. They're fearful of all these things. But Jesus, here we see in this example, Jesus was willing to make people feel uncomfortable to interact with those who needed him the most. Jesus did not have a fear of what other people thought. Jesus was willing to put that aside in order to see what was truly happening here. And when you look at this story, what is truly happening was a woman, an immoral woman who is just full of sin, right, is coming in humility, seeking a savior, seeking forgiveness for her sins. And that is what Jesus can see. He's not blinded by the fear. He's not held back by the fear of what other people think about him or what's happening. He is concerned about this woman and, and where she is in her life. And he loves her back so beautifully. He says, woman, your sins are forgiven. He even tells her, your sins, which are many, are forgiven. Go in peace and, and changes this woman's life forever. And so we can allow that fear of what other people think of us to hold us back. But somebody's going to miss out. And so I want to ask you this morning, can you put aside your fear and see what is really happening in your neighbors around you? Can you put, get past the fear that's holding you back so that someone's life can be changed forever? We have to overcome that fear. And the third thing that we need to do is we need to make the time. So you might be listening this morning and you might be thinking, well, this, this is a pretty simple message. You know, accept God's love, overcome your fear. Yeah, I don't have a problem with those. I, I think I can do that. But I wouldn't guarantee that the majority of us sitting here would probably say that we struggle with this one. We could all probably agree on that. We have to make the time to love our neighbors. We have to make it a priority. But we have a life, right? We have this world, the, the things around us, our job, our family, and our to-do list. It's just a mile long, right? There is so much to accomplish and so much to do. I mean, you work full-time. You have to run your kids around. You have to grocery shop. You have to make dinner. You have to go pick kids up. You have to drop other kids off. And you have all these things pulling on you for all of your attention. And you probably don't even have a minute in your day to spare. So when you think about taking time, 
to love your neighbors around you, you might even say, I just don't have the time. And you may be living in that excuse day after day after day. So you might be saying, listen, I don't, I don't have time to help my neighbor. They, they asked me if I could help move some furniture with them, and I, I just don't have time for that. I, I, I don't have time to help that lady carry her groceries to the car. I, I have to go. I have places to be. I'm on a schedule. I got to check all these things off my to-do list today. I, I just don't have time to have that meaningful conversation with someone who's hurting. I, I just, there's no time in my day. So I, I understand I am, I am one of those people who always has a big to-do list. And if it's not written down in paper, man, it is rifling through my brain all the time, every moment, all day long. I'm like, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And the more I can get done in a day, boom, yes, the better I feel. And I'm like, whoa, I got so much done today. Checked all those things off my list. I feel so great. That's me, and, and you might be like me, and you've got that to-do list, man, and you want it done. But are we allowing for interruptions in our day to love our neighbor? And I've been in a number of situations where I've had this opportunity that God has just kind of blaringly put in front of me to love my neighbor. And sometimes I walk away and, and I miss it, but other times... I don't, and so one time I was in the grocery store, and of course I had my big old list, and I'm getting all my stuff and getting it done, and got to get home and feed my family, and I'm in the checkout line, and the person in front of me in the checkout line, I can tell they're being very, very intent about watching their, their total as their groceries go across the scanner, and they're kind of managing some of their groceries as they see the total, and they're taking some things off, and they're recalculating kind of in their head and they're trying to figure out how they're going to be able to get the food and and I could just tell this this was a struggle and they were pulling things out that that were necessities and so I just I was like I I got to do something about this and so I just told them I said listen put it put it all on don't take it off I'm going to help you I'm going to pay for your groceries and they just stopped and and tears welled up in their eyes and they just were like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. And it's been a really hard couple of weeks. And I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. You're going to be fine. I want you to have all these things that you need and stuff. And so I could have been too engrossed in my to-do list. I could have been too focused on what I needed to do. I needed to get out of there. Why is this woman taking so long? I could have gotten frustrated. And I would have missed an opportunity to love my neighbor as myself. I mean, how often do we even stop and put ourselves in that person's shoes? What if that was me standing there, not being able to buy the things I needed for my kids to eat? What if that was me? Sometimes we're just too busy to even stop and think about what that is like. And we make our life and our to-do list the priority, and, and we miss it. The thing is, we get to determine what's most important. We get to determine that. We don't have to let life determine what's most important for us. 
and Jesus. Jesus was such a great example of this. Time and time after script, in scripture, he shows us what this looks like so beautifully. And if you follow his life on earth and the stories of his life, man, this guy did a lot of stuff, man. He was in Galilee, and then he was in Bethany, and then he was here, and then he was there, and then he was in Jerusalem, and then he was in Judea, and then he was, man, this guy was everywhere, right? I mean, he was constantly going somewhere. People constantly needed him. He was constantly trying to accomplish all these things, right, and teaching his disciples along the way, and people were always sick, and they needed healing and ministry, right? I mean, this guy was busy, but man, what a great example for us of this. And one of the stories in scripture, it is one of my most favorite stories. I, it just resonates with my heart so much. But it's, it's found in Luke chapter 7. I'm not even going to read the whole thing to you. I'm just going to paraphrase the story. But it's in verses 11 to 17. Jesus has just been with the Roman officer with the really sick servant. And the Roman officer had come to him and you know, said, Jesus, my, my servant is sick and I want you to heal him. But listen, you don't even have to come. I have faith to believe that you don't even have to come. So that whole interaction happens right before this. And Jesus heals the man, heals his servant. And then he and his disciples are traveling to this village called Nain. And so he, his disciples, huge crowd of people around him, pushing in right all around him. They're traveling to Nain. And as they're traveling, there is this huge funeral procession coming. And it is a widow who lost her only son. And they're in this funeral procession. And if you know anything about that time in history, that was a time where a woman was completely tied to the men in her life. So her status in society her well-being was tied first to her husband, and then if she had sons, and if she had a husband, she was going to be okay, right? And then if she bore sons, that was even better, because then she was going to be taken care of for the long haul. Well, this woman obviously is a widow, which means her husband was dead, and then her only son had died. So now this woman is completely destitute. She has no future, no one to care for her. And Jesus is traveling with huge crowds of people, his disciples. He's trying to get somewhere, and he sees what's happening. And he saw, he truly saw what this meant for this woman, and he stopped, and he ministered. And as the story goes, he raises her son back to life. I mean, how incredible. Jesus saw the people around him, his neighbors, he loved them with compassion. He saw what was truly happening, and he took the time. He had somewhere to be. He had so many people around him needing him, and he stopped it all. The most important thing in that moment was that woman, and he loved her so beautifully. And so Jesus made loving others a priority. No matter what was happening in his life, he made others a priority. He allowed interruptions into his life to love others. So I would ask you today, are you living at a pace of life that allows you to be available for those who are around you? What do you need to do today to change the pace of your life so that you can be available? 
something that's really easy for all of us to do is to look through the lens of eternity. So when we look through the lens of eternity, we remind ourselves what's truly important. And so you just simply have to ask yourselves, in light of eternity, is this what matters most? In light of eternity, when we look at our neighbors, we have to remind ourselves, in light of eternity, they matter. It matters to me. Their eternity matters to me. Stopping and having a conversation matters to me because their eternity matters. And so when we look through the lens of eternity, I believe that will remind us to make others a priority. Because if others don't know Jesus and you're too busy to show them and to be that love to them, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? We all don't know how many days we have left on this earth. And so loving our neighbor in light of eternity is one of the most urgent things. Because no one is guaranteed tomorrow. It tells us in Psalms 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so we have to choose wisely. We have to choose wisely. Making the truly important things a priority. And so if you're just kind of going through life right now and you're just going through the motions and you're feeling a little bit lost and empty yourself, then it very well could be that you are not living out your purpose in which God has called you, which is to love those around you, to serve those around you. And so we need to make the decision to make time to live that purpose out and to love our neighbors as ourselves because that is where we're going to find the true fulfillment that we long for in our lives. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so distracted by my own issues, my own problems, that I just forget that other people are dealing with stuff. You know, I get so wrapped up in, in the hardships I'm facing, the heartache that I'm dealing with, and, and I can allow it to just swallow me up and, and just forget about the fact that other people are having heartaches and hardships. And one of the best things that I find I can do for myself to keep my focus on what is truly most important is to love other people, is to make them a priority because it takes me from just only seeing my problem right in front of my face and it takes that out of my view and I begin to see everyone else and realize I'm going to be okay. There are other people that are facing things too and I want to love on them. I want to encourage them and it helps me put my own problems in perspective. So I just want to encourage you in that today. Maybe you are facing hardships in your own life or difficulty or heartache for some reason. Take a step back. Look at those around you. Other people are dealing with things as well, and we can still love and serve them despite what's going on in our life, and it gives us a whole new perspective. But also today, if you are here and you were hearing this message today and you may be thinking to yourself, well, I... I'm one of those people. I haven't had a chance 
to accept God's love for myself yet. Well, I want to give you an opportunity today. And so if that's you, uh, we consider it our privilege, our honor, our calling to give you an opportunity to accept Christ. That is why we are here. We are here for you. And so if that's you today, if you need to accept Christ in your life for the very first time, or maybe you need to make a recommitment to him, you can go ahead and raise your hand right now. Just lift it up to, and so we can pray with you. And so if that's you, if you raised your hand this morning to accept Christ, we're just going to pray together. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord, I need you. I have sinned, and I am in need of a Savior. So I ask that you would cleanse me of my sins, wash me clean, forgive me of all the things I've done against you and others. I ask you to be the Lord of my life today. I accept your love. I accept your love in my life. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. So welcome to the family. If that was you, we want to help you and walk with you. Just let us know you accepted Christ. You can go to gracechurch.life and click I said yes. We want to help you and walk with you on that journey. But now for the rest of us, we're going to take time to uh, take a communion today to remember what Jesus did. And if you just accepted Christ, you are welcome to the table to receive God, God's communion with the rest of us. You are a part of the family, and, and you are welcome now. And so as we take this, I just want to remind us that um, before Jesus made this sacrifice for us, people had to bring animals and sacrifices to the altar to be sacrificed on behalf of them for this, their sin in their life. They had to have a priest go into the temple for them. But once Jesus came and became the sacrifice for all of us, he made a way. Now we have full access to our Father, full access to receive from Him. And so that is why we take the time, because of that great sacrifice, our lives were changed forever. We can have a personal relationship with our God. And so that's why we're going to take time to remember today His sacrifice. And so as we take of the bread today, Jesus sat around a table with His disciples having a meal together. And he began talking to them about what was going to happen to him. And they truly didn't understand. Now that we read it, we know exactly what it means, right? As he passed around the bread and he took it and he broke it before them. And he said, one day you're going to take this and you're going to break this bread in remembrance of my body that was broken for you. And he says, take it and eat it in remembrance of me. So let's do that today. Let's take that, that bread. And then also he took the cup and he told them the same thing and held the cup up and he said, this cup is a represent, representation of my blood that is going to be shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. How beautiful is that? And he told them, you're, one day you're going to take this and drink this in remembrance of my blood. So let's take that. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made for us so long ago of giving yourself, giving your body, uh, God, and your blood for, for us, for our, the forgiveness of our sins, for our healing, for our freedom, 
for, for us to fully access our Father, God. What an amazing thing. What an amazing gift. We don't take it lightly. And so we take this right now, and, and we do remember that sacrifice. And we want to thank you so much, Jesus, for all that you gave for us. And we truly want to fully accept the love of God, because as it says in that passage in John 3, 16, God, you loved the world so much that you gave your only son so that we could believe, so that we could accept you fully and then live in that love and share it with those around us, God. There's nothing greater that you've asked us to do in your word, in your scripture, than love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. It's the greatest things that we can do. So God, stir that passion within us for our neighbors. Stir that passion within us to share your love like never before. God, help us to overcome any fear, God. Help us to make the time in our lives and make it a priority. God, we commit to do that, to love our neighbors as ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.